Welcome back. It is once again time for Wrestling with Theology. I am Pastor Doug Minton, your host, here with the confessional corner as we stand and proclaim what we believe, teach, and confess. This month we look at the last half of Article 26 of the Augsburg Confession, where Melanchthon further explains why the church's rites and ceremonies don't need to be the same everywhere. He starts off with the scriptural basis for the Reformers' teaching from paragraphs 21 through 29. So our churches have taught that we cannot merit grace or be justified by observing human traditions. We must not think that such observances are necessary acts of worship. Here we add testimonies of Scripture. Christ defends the apostles who had not observed the usual traditions, Matthew 15, 3. This had to do with a matter that was not unlawful, but rather neither commanded nor forbidden. It was similar to the purifications of the law. He said in Matthew 15, 9, In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Therefore he does not require a useless human service. Shortly after he adds, It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. Matthew 15, 11. So also Paul in Romans 14, 17, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And in Colossians 2.16, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a Sabbath. And again, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch? From Colossians 2.20 and 21. Peter says, Why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that they will be saved the grace of Lord Jesus, just as we will. Acts 15, 10 and 11. Here, Peter forbids burdening consciences with many rites, either from Moses or others. In 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 3, Paul calls the prohibition of meats a teaching of demons. It is contrary to the gospel to institute or do such works thinking that we merit grace through them, or as though Christianity could not exist without such service of God. Jesus himself pointed out the uselessness of the prescribed rituals that had been brought into the Jewish religion from the Babylonian captivity. They had taken what God had revealed to them and made a new religious system where the temple was not necessary. This is the true root of modern Judaism, a religion that no longer needs a location, no longer needs a central focus. They burdened consciences with their man-made rules. The medieval Roman church had done nothing different. There is nothing new under the sun, Ecclesiastes 1.9. They had gone from following Peter's example of not burdening Gentile consciences at the Jerusalem Council to becoming the very Pharisees they taught against. We pick up in paragraph 30. Our adversaries object by accusing our teachers of being against discipline and the subduing of the flesh. Just the opposite is true, as can be learned from our teachers' writings. They have always taught that Christians are to bear the cross by enduring afflictions. This is genuine and sincere subduing of the flesh to be crucified with Christ through various afflictions. Furthermore, they teach that every Christian ought to train and subdue himself with bodily restraints or bodily exercises and labors. Then neither overindulge nor laziness may tempt him to sin. But they do not teach that we may merit grace or make satisfaction for sins by such exercises. Such outward discipline ought to be taught at all times, not only on a few set days. Christ commands... Watch yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness. Luke 21, 34. 
Also in Matthew 17, 21, this kind never comes out except by prayer and fasting. Paul also says, I discipline my body and keep it under control, 1 Corinthians 9, 27. Here he clearly shows that he was keeping his body under control, not to merit forgiveness of sins by that discipline, but to keep his body in subjection and prepared for spiritual things, for carrying out the duties of his calling. Therefore, we do not condemn fasting in itself, but the traditions that require certain days and certain meats with peril of conscience, as though such works were a necessary service. Of course, the papists accused the reformers of being against Christian discipline and self-control. There must be rules, but we can't expect or bank our salvation on our own following of the rules. We also can't have rules, which may have been proposed and set in place for decent order, 1 Corinthians 14.40, that are being promoted as being directly from God's word when they aren't. The medieval church had gone so far as to say that those who didn't endure hardship weren't bearing their cross properly. Of course, the ones who said this were typically the ones putting the financial hardships upon them by oppressing them to line their own pockets. Melanchthon makes a great point, especially as we are in the heart of the Lenten season. We do not condemn fasting in itself, but the traditions that require certain days and certain meats with peril of conscience, as though such works were a necessary service. In paragraph 39, as Christians, we are allowed, encouraged, and even commanded to fast. Jesus says, right after giving the Lord's Prayer, and when you fast, Matthew 6, 16, Jesus expects his disciples to fast as part of their Christian discipline and training and self-control. However, this does not need to be prescribed to any particular day or time. As part of good order and to help Christians prepare for Easter, we have traditionally set aside the season of Lent, the six weeks before Easter, as a time of fasting, prayer, reflection, and sacrifice. However, there are no divine requirements as to what is to be sacrificed during this time. There are no divine restrictions on what you may or may not eat or drink. It is set aside as an individual's chance to grow in the virtue that is self-control by abstaining from something they enjoy. Pick up in paragraph 40. Nevertheless, we keep many traditions that are leading to good order in the church, such as the order of scripture lessons in the Mass and the chief holy days. At the same time, we warn people that such observances do not justify us before God, and that it is not sinful if we omit such things without causing offense. The fathers knew of such freedom in human ceremonies. In the East, they kept Easter at another time than at Rome. When the Romans accused the Eastern Church of Schism, they were told by others that such practices do not need to be the same everywhere. Irenaeus says, Diversity concerning fasting does not destroy the harmony of faith. Pope Gregory says that such diversity does not violate the unity of the Church. In the Tripartite History, Book 9, many examples of different rites are gathered, and the following statement is made. It is not the mind of the apostles to enact rules concerning holy days, but to preach godliness and a holy life. As we finish up this article, we keep many traditions that are leading to good order in the church. Paragraph 40. There is nothing wrong with having traditions in the church. By God's design, people enjoy a routine and traditions. Why else would people complain when they look at job ads that ask for availability on nights and weekends? if there hadn't been the tradition and routine of a 9-to-5 Monday through Friday work week. We want comfort from the things we do, especially when those things are repeated. It is not a sinful, prideful thing to resist change. We can derive comfort from these things. However, 
We cannot allow these things to be held over us as though God established these things himself and demands that we follow them to the letter. Traditions are different from family to family and culture to culture. People raised in a strongly German culture think and expect different things than those raised in a British culture. It doesn't have to be different countries. We have people all around us. We call them neighbors who may have drastically different traditions from us for the very same event or holiday. I want to leave you this week with a quote from Irenaeus. Diversity concerning fasting does not destroy the harmony of faith. We don't have to do everything exactly the same in order to be walking beside each other in love. Let's truly consider this as we wrestle with theology this week. Amen.